Well, hello, friends. Welcome to the Capital City Christian Church podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm going to be your host today. If this is your first time listening, I would love to chat with you. So send me an email at hello at capitalcitychristian.org. We're starting a new series today called 2020 Vision. You know, we're a big fan of cliche titles, so we couldn't pass up this chance. It's only the second and last time humanity has ever been able to say it, after all. But in all seriousness, this series is about restating our purpose for existing and remembering why we do what we do and how we do it. Let's get right to it today with our lead vision caster and senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc Pattison. Father, we are so grateful that you've invited us into your presence right here. And I pray that we'll set aside the distractions that constantly nag at us and help us for the next few minutes to give you the attention, the honor, the praise that you deserve. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Glad you guys are here, first Sunday of 2020. First Sunday, I suppose, depending on how you count it, of the decade. If you're new to Capital City, in front of you there's a card. There's a lot of debate in this place, whether or not this is maroon or brown or I heard Ben call it red this morning. It's the one that is not blue. It's in front of you, okay? And if you're new to Capital City and would like some more information about who we are, just put some contact information on that. You can either just leave it up here, give it to one of our guest services people out there in the foyer, and we'll make sure to get whatever information you need to you. Sometimes, guys, we get so caught up in the what we're doing that we forget why we're doing it. Happens to us all the time, doesn't it? Sometimes we forget why we're doing what we're doing. Sometimes it's critical. Here's our why here at Cap City. Ready? Because we believe there's a God. Do you? We believe there's a God. There really is a God. In fact, we think it takes way too much faith to be an atheist. We believe there really is a God. And we believe that Jesus really is the Son of God. Do you? We think God confirmed that when he raised Jesus from the dead. So when Jesus says, I am the way to God, I am the truth of God, I am the life that you were meant to live, we buy it here at Capital City. So, here it is. We believe you need Jesus. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. Not just to make us feel better when we're down. If Jesus is just about making you happy when you're down, then you don't really need Jesus. We believe you need Jesus because, bottom line, you're a spiritual mess without him. You're a sinner separated from God and you can't fix you. We believe that. In fact, we don't believe that we're not just spiritually broken, spiritually sick. See, we believe that Jesus didn't come here just to make people who were sick better. We think he came here to make dead people live. And that includes us. Do you believe that? So you need Jesus. Now we believe that doing life with God, for God, God's way, makes life in this world better. Way better. It's what you were made for. You were made by God to do life with God, for God, God's way. Right now, 
So if your life just isn't working out the way it's supposed to be, you need Jesus, right? But it's way bigger than that because we honestly believe that dying is not the end. We think that someday every single person, every single one of us is going to stand before God and what happens next is going to be determined by what we have done with Jesus. So you need Jesus for forever too. And here's what that means, guys. Listen. That means that your kids need Jesus. It means that your grandkids need Jesus. It means that your parents and your grandparents and your sisters and your brothers, your cousins, they need Jesus too. It means your friends and your neighbors, they need Jesus. It means that your enemies need Jesus. It means that our world needs Jesus. And if you don't think that's true, read the news or spend 10 minutes on the social media, right? Our world needs Jesus. Bottom line, guys, we honestly believe that we are sinful creatures separated from God, living an empty life in this world, facing an eternal death in the next without Jesus. So we need his truth. We need his grace. We need his strength. We need his purpose, his joy, his peace, and his hope. Right? We believe that. We believe we need Jesus for now and for forever. That's our why. So we're about to kick off a new year here at Cap City. What's it going to look like? More of the same? The same's not bad. How do you think we did last year here at Capital City? 2019, what kind of a grade would you give us as a church for 2019? We did a lot of pretty good churchy stuff, didn't we? (laughs) We had services here in this room every single Sunday morning because we don't cancel church here at Capital City. We do it every week because we think it's who we are and what we do. If you can't make it, we understand that, but we hope you're here because we need Jesus. In fact, this last year, we actually had the largest worship service at Capital City ever. On Easter, we actually had 1,500 people here for worship services. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that cool? And for the year, we averaged a little over 800 per week. And those are good numbers. Do you know why? Because people need Jesus. We do too. And we've been working on our live stream. You know, we live stream all of our services now. We have over 600 hits every Sunday morning. That doesn't mean 600 people actually sit through the whole thing. But 600 people are touching base with our worship services every week outside this building. Some of them are our own church family when you're sick or you're on vacation. Some of them are guys like Caleb Otten. You know, he and his buddies are in Iraq. And last year we gave him a, last week we gave him a shout out. Remember that if you're here last week? And every week I always get a kick because one of my good friends of our family, Michelle Meese, down in Haiti, she checks us out and talks with our people. Hi, hey, hi, Michelle. So how did we do last year, do you think? How did we do? What grade would you give us? As most churches go, I suspect we did pretty well. This church really stepped it up when it came to God-honoring giving. It was an amazing year. We exceeded our budget and our giving again. We held our spending to our budget again, which is a good way to live, isn't it? But in addition to our regular giving, this generous bucket here that people drop a dollar or two in every week, did you know we raised 
over $40,000 in that generous bucket, every penny of which went to take care of people, sometimes in our church family, sometimes in our community, sometimes beyond that. It's cool. Why do we do that? Why? And then in addition to that, this was amazing. This church family raised just short of $100,000 to partner with RIP Medical Debt to settle over $10 million of medical debt for 12,000 families in central Kentucky. How cool is that? There's a church in the news just in the last two weeks, Southern California. They raised $50,000, paid over $5 million in medical debt, made national news. That is so cool. We didn't make national news. That is so cool. We didn't do it for that. Why did we do it? Because of the God-honoring giving of this church family, we were able to purchase the property behind us for cash, which is cool, giving us the parking and the green space that we need for the foreseeable future. We've already started developing that land. That's cool. Is that good? Because of the God-honoring giving of this church family, we... We support several service organizations right here in Frankfurt, and that's cool. We support several missionaries around the world. In fact, we support four of our own. One of them is here right now. Another one was here the first service. It's pretty cool. Ramon Jacques is one of our ladies here. She's done some amazing work for the children way up in the hills of Haiti, and we're her prime supporter. That's cool. We support Danielle Thomas as she worked with at-risk kids down in Louisiana. Chris and Marissa Dove as they work with kids in the Dominican Republic. Cameron and Lexi Thompson as they begin their work with team expansion. Why do we do that? Because those kids in Haiti and those kids in the DR and those kids in Louisiana, Louisiana, they need Jesus too, don't they? They need Jesus. We work so hard at loving on Frankfurt and Franklin County, we're trying to nudge them towards Jesus. Nearly 2,000 kids and their families passed through this room for our trunk or treat. Over 100 of you guys helped. We had between six and 700 people in this room for our jingle jam services. Over 100 of you guys helped. Why do we do that? Why? We had over 100 guests here for our Jesus prom. Over 300 of you helped for that. That was so cool. 180 of you helped us pack nearly 40,000 meals for the lifeline meal packing to serve people who are hungry. How cool is that? So what grade would you give us for 2019? We hired Ben Jeffries as our student minister. He's working like a dog. You'll see him at the end of the service. We hired James Drivers, our spiritual growth minister. You're going to hear from him in a couple of weeks because we've got some exciting things coming down the line for our growth ministry here at Cap City. We sent boatloads of kids to church camp or to CIY. Vern Huber's been working to revitalize our seniors' ministry. He's done a bang-up job. James and I both led half-day spiritual retreats last summer. We sponsored a marriage retreat, summer family days for our family, our summer staycation stuff. We tried something new for Easter with a Passover setter that we actually put online so that groups of people could celebrate the Last Supper all around town. So was it a good year? Would Frankfurt miss us if we closed our doors? Bigger question is this, would the kingdom of God 
be diminished if we closed our doors. Is Capital City a good church? Is it a great church? By what measure? By whose measure? Remember the why? Are we laser focused on our reason for being? You see, guys, we exist. We are here because we believe there's a God. We really do. We exist because we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We exist because we believe you need Jesus. And I need Jesus. And they need Jesus. So are they finding Jesus? Are they becoming Jesus followers? Are they becoming Christ-driven 24-7 Jesus followers because of us? That's what counts, isn't it? So what is church? Just the word church, the whole idea of church. What does church mean to you? When someone mentions the word church to you, what pops into your head? A building? A weekend experience? Sometimes irrelevant and boring, maybe the longest hour of the week, right? Distribution center for the poor? A psych ward for people with overactive consciences? Guys, none of that is what Jesus had in mind when he created the church. It's his idea. There's a great story in the life of Jesus. Peter says to Jesus, you are the Christ. He believed it too. You are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus tells Peter, you're dead on right. It's who I am. God's been trying to show that to you. In fact, this is the rock, he says, upon which I'm going to build my church. Church is his idea. A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. (laughs) Church so powerful that not even the powers of hell can stand against us. Now tell me whether or not that sounds like most churches you know. Hmm. Sounds like so many of churches that Jesus wanted to build are kind of miles apart from what he dreamed. He dreamed a powerful movement that sometimes we have transmogrified into the church. Sometimes too stale and impotent. I suppose it's inevitable. You see, almost all movements morph into institutions. That's what movements do. Movements tend to fossilize over time. As the years pass, movements start developing traditions. And at some point, we stop focusing on our mission, our why, and we start preserving our traditions. And here's the deal, guys. Once your traditions become more important than your mission, the movement starts to die. It always does. There's an old saying, you've probably heard it, if, you've always, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. It's not so. You see, the world changes and people change. What used to work will not keep on working. If you always do what you've always done, you're not going to keep getting what you've always gotten before. You're going to become more and more irrelevant and you will start to die. Jesus said on this rock, I will build my ecclesia. That's the word in Greek, ecclesia. 
Literally, it means the called out ones, people who were called out for a mission. It's not a building, it's a mission. See, ecclesia, when that word was first used in the New Testament, wasn't a religious word. If there was a town meeting, they would call the people out for the meeting. That was an ecclesia. If there was a war they had to fight, they'd call the people out to go to war. That was an ecclesia. Jesus says, on this rock, I'm going to call out my people who are bound together by their allegiance to me, and I'm going to give them a job to do. And when I'm in it, and they're doing my job, not even the gates of hell will be able to stop them. Isn't that cool? The church was never supposed to be a building. The church was never supposed to be an institution. The church was meant by God to be a movement. So, how to get messed up? How do we lose our way? Well, Christianity started in the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago. And for the first 300 years, Christianity was illegal, right? We were the illegals. See, we refused to honor the emperors of God, so we were illegal. We were often barred from positions of power. We were often ostracized. We were often stripped of our property. Sometimes we were charged with crimes that we didn't commit. Sometimes they would kill us just because we were Christians. By the way, that's still happening in some places in our world. During those first centuries, we didn't have church buildings. We usually met in homes. Our worship would be very simple, very informal, maybe some songs, some scriptures, some teaching, some food, and we would share the Lord's Supper together. You know that we Christians have been sharing the Lord's Supper together every week for 2,000 years. Along came an emperor by the name of Constantine. Ever heard that name? Not only did he legalize Christianity, he became a Christian. So it became faddish, fashionable to be a Christian now. We could come out of hiding. So we started building churches. And inside of our churches, we started developing a whole set of traditions and rituals. Started wearing fancy clothes and using processionals and choirs and incense and all that stuff. Worship became more formal. Congregation started becoming spectators, coming to watch the worship. Worship became the responsibility and the work of us professionals. We did the important stuff up here. You get to come sit and watch us and then go home and critique us over lunch, right? And before long, there was a shift. Ecclesia had become a building, an institution, a church. And it wasn't always about the mission from God. It was about a place. It was about the clergy, the ritual, the traditions. The Romans started calling their churches basilicas. Germans called them the Kirche. The English took that word and we called them churches. And the ecclesia of God gradually became an institution and a place. You can lock the doors of a church. You can't lock the doors of a movement. Right? The changes we made were not benign. We were meant by God. We were called by God to be a movement, to keep laser focused on our why. Why we're here. You see, bottom line, it doesn't matter what I want the church to be, and it doesn't matter what you want the church to be. It's his ecclesia. He gets to determine who we are and why we are, right? 
Sometimes we became more interested in our meeting than our moving. Our buildings and our traditions became more important to us than our mission. We began to shift our focus from looking out to serving those in. Now, I suppose it's historically amazing that the ecclesia of God survived the persecution of those first three centuries. But in reality, I think it's even more amazing that we have sort of survived the institutionalization of the church in the centuries since. When you look at what we have become, sometimes Jesus' words are hard to understand. On this rock, I will build my church, and not even the gates of hell, not even the gates of hell can stand against us. Does that define us here at Capital City? A few centuries ago, we went through a reformation. Some guys in Europe thought perhaps the church had lost its way, guys like Martin Luther and John Calvin. And they started making these changes. They kind of put into place all of these upgrades, reforming, restoring the church, they hoped, to what Jesus meant it to be. One of those reformers was a guy named William Tyndale. Tyndale was the first one to translate the Bible into English directly from the Hebrew and the Greek. He was the first one to get the English Bible actually printed on a printing press because he wanted everybody to be able to read it in their own language. That was so cool. It was revolutionary. Well, in his translation of the Bible, he tried pulling tradition out and putting God's dream back in. So he made some changes like these. Instead of calling them priests, he called them elders. Instead of calling it penance, he called it repentance. Instead of calling it church, he called it the congregation, the assembly, those who are called out for a purpose, for the why. He got it. Jesus wasn't building an institution. He wanted to launch a movement. But the church pushed back hard against Tyndale. It did. He was arrested, he was jailed, he was convicted of heresy, he was strangled, and then they burned his dead body at the stake. Sometimes churches don't like challenges to our traditions. And unfortunately, the other reformers didn't keep that part of his mission going. Pretty soon, they were building their own churches. And again, the movement started to fossilize into an institution. Fortunately, God is patient. So, let's go back to the why. The why. Here's the why of Capital City Christian Church. Here is the measure for what we do. This is what we are about. Guys, we believe, we genuinely believe there is a God. Don't you? We believe Jesus is the Son of God. So when Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life... We believe it. We believe that's true for every person everywhere. So, we believe you need Jesus. And I need Jesus. And we don't believe you need Jesus just because sometimes you get down and depressed. It's about more than Jesus making you happy when you're down and depressed or need some help. If that's all he is, then you really don't need Jesus. 
We believe you need Jesus because you are a mess spiritually. You are a sinner separated from God. You are broken and you can't fix you. We believe that Jesus didn't come just to make sick people better. He came to make dead people live and that applies to all of us. So, you need Jesus for now and you need Jesus for forever, right? Now, we believe that doing life with God, for God, God's way, will make your life better right now because you were created to do life with God, for God, God's way right now. So you need Jesus for now. But it's bigger than that. You say, we actually believe that someday every single one of us is going to stand before God and what happens next will be determined by what we have done with Jesus. So you need Jesus for forever too. And if that is all true, your kids need Jesus. And your grandkids need Jesus. And your parents and your grandparents and your cousins and your brothers and sisters need Jesus. And your friends and your colleagues need Jesus. And your enemies need Jesus. And our world needs Jesus desperately. That's why we're here. By that measure, how are we doing? at Capital City. Are we an ecclesia or a kirsha? Are we a movement or a meeting place? Are we making a measurable difference for the kingdom of God? Are we ruthlessly focused on our mission from God? Or is our mission from God sometimes hindered by our traditions and our desire for comfort? Are we investing our time and our energy and our money with the conviction that Jesus really is the hope of the world? Or do we drift sometimes towards the misperception that what it really is about is me, what I like and what I want and what serves me? Guys, we here, Capital City, are a cluster of people who've been called out by God and given a mission from God which means it really doesn't matter what I want Capital City to be and it really doesn't matter what you want Capital City to be. What matters is what he wants us to be and do. Right? And that's hard. It's really hard for a church as old as ours because every single church, every single church starts drifting from Ecclesia to Kirsha. Every single church has to remind itself periodically of the why. Why are we here? We are here because we really believe there's a God. And we really believe Jesus is the Son of God. And we believe people need Jesus for now and forever. So we exist as a church to bring people face to face with Jesus and then to drag them to heaven. That's why we're here. Now, Max Lucado used an image one time that almost fits. It doesn't quite fit, so I'm going to twist it so that it does. There's a difference between a warship and a cruise ship. Last service, I said a difference between a battleship and a cruise ship, and one of our Navy guys came up and he said, you know, Doc, that is not a battleship. That's a carrier. I know. I just blew it. There's a difference between a warship and a cruise ship. Which one of these do you think is capital city? 
It's kind of like God has rescued us, placed us on his ship, enlisted us in his navy. It's all grace. And he's put us on a ship with two missions, to rescue as many as we can and then to get them and us to the other side, right? It's not a cruise ship, not even a battleship. It's a warship. We're not called to a life of leisure. We're called to a life of service. That doesn't sound oppressive to me. We think it makes life better to live life with a purpose, to live life with meaning, a life that matters. Each of us has a different job to do on that ship. Some of us are focused primarily on those who are drowning. It's what all of us are about, but some are primarily good at that, snatching people from the water. Others are occupied with the enemy, keeping him at bay. Others devote themselves to serving the crew, feeding them, strengthening them, training them. And all are important. In fact, all are critical to our mission. Every person on board the ship has been recruited by the captain at extraordinary cost, Right? You're here by his invitation, by his grace. There is one captain of this ship, there's one mission, one destination. And even though the battle will sometimes be fierce, we will win. You know why? Because <laughs> he's the captain of this ship, and we will win. Sometimes we lose our focus. Sometimes we start complaining about the food and the hours and the work assignments. Sometimes we start negotiating about vacations and time off. Some of us try to do little things to make the cruise a little bit more comfortable. So we put loungers on the deck for sunning and petition for better entertainment and more stopovers at nicer ports of call. And sometimes we complain a little when the staff is inattentive. We begin viewing our ship more as a cruise ship, bound for that cosmic cruise ship in the sky, right? And sometimes we quarrel. We quarrel about what to wear and what to eat and what we're asked to do and who gets to choose all of that. So consequently, sometimes the boat is rocky, an unharmonious boat. So that tragically... Some get off, and some that we are called to rescue are missed, and some of those we try to rescue refuse to get on. So periodically, we have to remind ourselves whose ship this is, and what kind of ship this is, and what the mission of this ship is. We have to remember our why. Because, guys, there really is a God. And Jesus really is the Son of God. And you need Jesus, and I need Jesus, and our kids need Jesus, and our grandkids need Jesus, and our neighbors and our friends and our world needs Jesus for now and for forever. So we exist as a church to bring people face-to-face with Jesus and to grow them up into Christ-driven 24-7 Jesus followers, because if you're not growing as a Jesus follower, you are prone to drift. Bottom line, we exist to introduce people to Jesus and to drag each other to heaven, right? We did a lot of churchy stuff last year. We plan to do a whole lot more this year. 
The question is, will we keep in focus, why? Why? Are we going to be laser focused, ruthlessly focused on the why? Next week, we're going to talk about the first part of our mission, bringing people face to face with Jesus. And we're going to announce something that's really, really cool next week. And I'm not going to give you a hint of what it is. You're going to have to come back. Week after that, we're going to talk about dragging each other to heaven. We're going to introduce something else that's going to really, really be cool. And I'm not going to give you any hints. Okay? Going to have to come back. It's kind of ironic. The ecclesia of God is about you. It's about bringing you face to face with Jesus. You know why? Because we're spiritually dead without him. And it's about dragging you to heaven because we're all prone to drift. But once you have Jesus, it's not about you anymore. It's not about me. Once you know Jesus, this church is not about you anymore. Once you're in, once you're on board, it's about transforming your heart. It's about converting your heart so that you love him and serve him even above loving and serving yourself. And it's about loving them and serving them as much as you passionately serve yourself. Rick Warren puts it like this. He said, it's not about you. So the purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your own peace of mind, even your own happiness. It's greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you have to begin with God. You were born by his purpose, for his purpose, and that goes for this church too. Because there's a God. And Jesus is the Son of God. And he is the way, and he's the truth, and he's the resurrection, and he's the life. And because you need Jesus, and I need Jesus, and our kids need Jesus, and our grandkids need Jesus, and our friends need Jesus, and our enemies need Jesus, that's why we're here. For now and for forever. Would you pray with me, please? Father, help us to remember why we're here what you've called us to be and do. Renew that passion inside of us. Renew that passion in the heart of this church. Our goal is to please you. Our goal is to serve you. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Guys, when you come to church, we actually believe that it's an encounter with God. We think he's here. And we think that when you're in his presence, sometimes he nudges on you. And we think that when God nudges on you, it's never wise to push back. And God has something for you. Be receptive to it. We're going to give you several different ways to respond to God in the next few minutes. Some of you guys need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. If you want to do that, couple of ways you can do that. You can fill out this I have decided card. Just put your contact information. We will come to you and we'll talk about making Jesus the Lord of your life. If you want, there's a room in the back. You can't see it right now. As soon as the lights come up a little bit, it says prayer room. One of our elders is back there praying for you. He'd love to pray with you if you want to slip back there. Right after this service, 
we're going to have this getting started class. It means getting started with Jesus. We're going to talk to you about what it means to be a Jesus follower. It's going to be in the little connection room out in the foyer right after this service. Some of you guys need a church home. And God doesn't want you to be an orphan. He wants you to have a home. People who are your family, your church family. When you join Jesus, he makes you part of his family. If you need to talk to someone about being part of this family, if you want to be part of us, come and chat with us. We'd love to talk to you. Those of you who are Jesus followers, we're going to give you an opportunity to do something very special with them. Every single week we gather around this table, just like Christians have been doing for millennia eating a little piece of bread and a cup to remind us of what he did to make it possible for us to be in this room. We get to retaste his grace all over again. And if you're a Jesus follower, you're welcome to come to this table right after this song. There's also a black box, an offering box, because Jesus followers give their first part back to God. It's who we are and what we do. And there's a white generous bucket. If you've got a dollar or two, you want to drop that dollar or two in that bucket. Every penny that goes in there, we just use to love on people, take care of people that are hurting. I'm going to ask you to stand and sing a song. Give God the honor and the praise that he deserves. And then Steve's going to invite you to the table. Stand and sing.